I um, want to talk to you about a subject that you've heard an awful lot about lately called repeal and replace. You heard those words. Anybody heard those words before? Repeal and replace. You say, you're going to talk about that health program? No, I'm not. Just repeal and replace. You see, there are people who actually believe that you can trust Christ as your Savior today and go to hell in the future. If you do believe that, you've got to believe in repeal and replace. You have to replace it with something. So I want you to um, look at your notes. I want you to look at the word repeal. Look at it. Now, I didn't come up with this definition. I've got it from an authoritative source. To rescind or annul by authoritative act, the action of revoking or annulling a law or congressional act. Example, the House voted in favor of repeal. Synonyms, revocation, rescinding, cancellation, reversal, annulment, replace. This is what happens when you got rid of your old husband and got you a new one. You replaced him. Or with maybe a wife. To take the place of something. Or to put something or someone in the place of something or someone else. The factory replaced most of its workers with robots. If you replace something broken, damaged, or lost, you provide a new one. You get something in place of it. Well, anyway, now you know what the words mean. So what in the world has that got to do with the Bible? Glad you asked. Now, if you look at the little statement there in bold, can the authority of God's law be repealed by the will of man? That's a good question. Now, there are those who believe you can be saved and then lose your salvation. Multitudes of churches teach this. At Calvary, we don't teach that. We actually teach that once you're saved, you are saved forever. You say, you mean you believe in that once saved, always saved? You got it. Because we don't believe that that's a separate doctrine or it's even optional. It is the gospel. That's what makes it good news. To be saved forever. That's good news. And we believe the gospel is good news. Now, let me just mention this to you. If you are saved until you sin again, because some people believe you can be saved and then you can lose your salvation if you sin. But they don't say, well, if you just sin once. Okay, how many sins would you have to commit before you knew that you lost it? Now, look at the first two points there in black. Number one, can a man know positively the very hour when he is saved? Can you know it? I knew the very hour that I trusted Christ as my Savior, I knew I had eternal life. I knew it that day, and I knew why. I was trusting Christ as my Savior. He made a promise. The Word of God stands sure, and I believe what He said, and I knew I was saved. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I have eternal life. The Bible said so. There's things that happen to you. The day you trust the Lord, multitudes of things happen. And you didn't even know it. And so I got a whole list here of things that happened to you that you probably were not aware of. But it took place anyway, whether you're aware of it or not. But one is that once you trust Christ as Savior, He gives you eternal life. Look at number two. Can a man know positively the very hour when he's lost again? Now, if I knew when I was saved, can I know when I lose my salvation? If I can lose it, well, shouldn't I also know positively the moment I lost it? Well, you're saved until you sin again, okay? 
What sin? Any sin or just certain sins? If you're saved until you sin again, how long would you be saved? Now, just think. Does everybody sin? The one you're sitting beside, do you think they really sin? Don't raise your hand. But we all sin. Everybody would agree. You just can't think of anything, right? But you know everybody messes up. And nobody's perfect down here. But now, the question. If you're saved until you sinned again, how long would you be saved? There's no sense saving you. If you can lose your salvation at the very next sin. Now, why would you be able to lose your salvation? Well, because you would have to commit a sin Christ didn't pay for. Only way you can be lost is to commit a sin Christ didn't pay for. Now, there's a problem here. So you've got to solve this in your mind. How many of my sins did he pay for when he died? All of them. If he didn't pay for it when he was here the first time, well, then when is he coming back to pay for that new sin I just committed? He's not coming back to pay for sin anymore. So we got a problem. Some people say, well, when you commit the sin, you have to confess the sin, and then that restores you to salvation. Because you lose it because you sinned. But then you can confess it, and everything's cool. All right? Got a question. If you must confess each sin, are you lost from the time you commit the sin until the time you confess the sin? Oops, I messed up. But I didn't confess it until that night because, you know, I always wait till I go to bed at night. And then I get on my knees and say, as I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. John, Ben, shot a rooster, killed a hen, chicken, died a rooster, cried, and ain't she satisfied? Now, is the time that I commit the sin until the time that I confess the sin, am I saved or lost? See, nobody knows. And if you could lose your salvation because you sinned, how many sins would you have to commit? How many? And would you know? So if you really don't know how many sins you got to commit before you lost it, then is it possible to think that you're still saved and you really lost it, but you don't remember it? So that is a can of worms. But I have no sins that Christ has not paid for. He paid for all sin that day when he died on the cross. And we weren't even born yet. Has he already paid for the sins of the person who's going to be born a hundred years from now? Or if God should tarry a thousand years from now? He's already paid for their sins. The sin of every man, all sin, have already all been paid. So, look at the things God did. And then if you lose your salvation, look at what has to be done. When the new birth takes place, many irreversible things take place. The Bible states that the one who is born again has the following at the very moment of salvation. Now, I got this list years ago out of a teaching by Lewisbury Schaefer in Systematic Theology in 1967 or something like that. A long time ago. So, um... Look what happens to you at the moment you receive salvation. And then you want to have a verse that proves that, that states this is a true statement. So number one, look at number one. Receive everlasting life. Now, I know that all of you in here do not have a photographic memory. Some of you probably have never seen this verse before in the Bible, but I want you to look at it. 
Look in John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16. Can this statement be verified? When you trusted Christ as your Savior, God says you received something. What did you receive? Now look what he says in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever keeps the Ten Commandments can go to Calvary Community Church and pays 50% inflation. It doesn't say all of that. Look what it does say. That whosoever believeth, believeth. That's the only thing he put in here. Now, if there's something more to it, you should have done it. But he didn't do it. He says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That means he won't go to hell. But have something. Have what? Everlasting life. So if I believe on Jesus Christ, believing he died and paid for my sins, what did God promise to give me? Everlasting life. Look in John chapter 6 and verse 47. John 6, 47. Verse 47 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Christ is speaking, He that believeth on me hath, present tense, hath, what? Everlasting life. So the day you trust the Lord, God gave you something. He gave you everlasting life. And you were at that moment born into God's family. Now, we won't take the time to look at all of these, but I do want you to look at number five. Look at number five, where it has become a son of God. So you look there in John chapter one. Just go back a couple pages. This is what happened to you the day you trusted the Lord. You were born into God's family. You didn't have any feelings. I used to think that whenever you got saved, you know, you're supposed to have a feeling and know the lightning bolts are going to strike and chills are going to run up and down your spine and you're going to, all kind of things are going to happen to you. Well, the day I got saved was a total dud. I had no feelings whatsoever. I didn't have those chills run up and down my spine. I did have it happen one time, but that's when I was hugging Betty and her popsicle was dripping. But now notice what he says in verse 12. Verse 12. But as many as received him, Christ, to them gave he power to become what? The sons of God. So that day when you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you became a child of God. And you were born again, born into God's family. Now, I want you to look there in verse number 8. Look at number 8 in your notes. Number 8, and look at that scripture. John chapter 5, and verse 24, where it says, That very day you trust the Lord, you were exempt from future condemnation. It means that in the future, He will never condemn you again. You can never be condemned again. That's what He promised. And there's verses in the Bible that state that. In other words... I cannot, from this day forward, from the day I trust the Lord, do anything that would condemn me in the future to hell. Can't happen. You say, but what about all those bad things you did? Well, he paid for those. Well, didn't he pay for these? When I accepted Christ as my Savior, he was the payment for all my sins, not just up to the time I believe. He paid for the ones that I haven't done. He is the payment for all my sins. Or there's no sense to saving anybody. Now, get this because it's so important. Look in verse 24. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and keeps the Ten Commandments and obey the golden rule. No, it doesn't say all that. That's what people add to it. And believeth on him that sent me hath, present tense, hath everlasting life, shall not, in the future, shall not come into condemnation. It means you cannot be condemned in the future. Is passed from death unto life. It's already been done as far as God is concerned. Can't be undone. Now, I want you to go down here and look at another verse with me. Look in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians and look there in uh, this wonderful, wonderful verse. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. The Bible says that um, God wants us to be reconciled to Him. You see, there was God and there was me. And there was sin in between. Our sins have separated us from God. So I cannot be reconciled to God until I can get this sin that separates us out of the way. I have a debt that needs to be paid. So Christ came into the world and took all my sins that separated me from God and paid for that. And God said, if I would accept this payment, then God sees me as having all my debt paid and I can be joined together with the Lord. Reconciled. We now have peace together. Isn't that good? That's wonderful. So in verse 18, and all things are of God who hath, get this, hath, past tense, hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So you and I, the day we trusted Christ as our Savior, were reconciled to God. In other words, there's no sin that separates us. We are united to the Lord, and he says, nothing can ever separate us from him. Nothing. Now, that's what the Bible teaches, but there's people who don't believe what the Bible said because that's just too easy. There's got to be more to it than that. You can't tell me all you've got to do is trust Christ as Savior, and you can go ahead and live like you please and still go to heaven. Well, if God can't tell you that, and I can't tell you that, I guess nobody can tell you that. You mean you can do that? Well, of course. Don't you already do that? You live the way you want to live. You do what you want to do. Are you trying to say you're living above sin now? As President Trump would say, give me a break. We've all sinned. Christ paid for all sin and gave me a free gift of eternal life. And the only way I can know that I'm going to heaven is what I just told you is true. You say, you mean to tell me I can live ungodly and still go to heaven? Well, of course. If I told you you have to live perfectly, well, that makes more sense. Okay, how good are you doing? It's either one way or the other. Either you can do bad or you got to do perfect. Nothing in between works. So either i got to live a perfect life after I'm saved or I can live a sinful life after I'm saved. And yes, every one of us after we're saved will live a sinful life. It doesn't mean we are sinless. But we should sin less. Now get this. Here in 2 Corinthians, he makes a statement. I want you to see this. Verse 21. Look at verse 21. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ, who knew no sin. You and I, sinful. What he did is took our sin, and when you believe he did it, he gives you his righteousness. Now, if he gave me his righteousness, that would make me as righteous as God. 
So in God's eyes, he sees Yankee Arnold as righteous as his son. Because I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ, not in mine. People say, well, you can't live like that and still go to heaven. Well, wait a minute. If you can't, you can't go to heaven. Duh. No man deserves to go to heaven. When he says, for by grace are you saved. Grace. Not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Before, now, after. Works can have nothing to do with you going to heaven. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did. It is finished. He paid for my sins. Now, this is good news. This is worth telling people about. Otherwise, it just makes you a hypocrite, claiming to be something you're not. There's not a one person in this room or in the whole world is ever going to live good enough to go to heaven. We all live bad enough to go to hell. But none of us has ever lived good enough to go to heaven. The only way that any of us will get to heaven is because God had to give it to us by grace. Unmerited. Don't deserve it. How are you saved? Grace of works. The only way you can know that you're going to heaven, it has to be free. If it's free, you can know you make it. But if it's by your works, you don't know where you're going. You do not know that you're going to endure and keep all those good works and live that good life. And Well, every time you sin, you've got to confess it. Oh, really? Is it possible for you to sin without knowing it? Now, what are you going to do? Well, it, then that means it's possible for you to live the rest of your life thinking all my sins are confessed and everything is done and everything good. And God says, oh, I lost you a long time ago. Well, I didn't know it. Well, that's because you're dependent upon your works. It's not by your works. Now, turn your page over. Now, in the book of uh, Romans chapter 1, he talks about we're now justified. Look up here just a second. You see, God is perfect. We're not. You see, to be justified means to be just as if I'd never sinned. And God sees me with no guilt, no sin. But I am a sinner. But when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were declared righteous. Righteous as God. As though you never did anything wrong. That is what blows your mind. But that's the truth of the Bible. That's what makes it such good news. Now... As you look down through here, I want you to take a look at this in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. There's a wonderful verse here. Look in verse 13. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Get this. Hath he quickened. Quickened. That means to be made alive together with him. Get this. Having forgiven you how many trespasses? What did he do? In verse 14, blotting out thy handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So when Christ died on that cross, everything, even though I hadn't been born yet, everything that I've ever done, written, Yankee did this, blah, 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 blah. Whatever sin I committed, and he took that and nailed it to his cross. So if he nailed it to his cross, how many of my sins did he die for? All of them. So when I accepted that payment, I am forgiven of how many sins? All trespasses. Everything I've done against God has been forgiven. Now, 1 John 1, 9, when we talk about confessing our sins to the Lord as a Christian, and he'll forgive and all that, that's a different sermon. We'll get on to that later. Look there in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. And look what the Bible says. You see, that day you trusted the Lord, you were perfected forever. Now, you didn't feel anything. You might have got up and looked in the mirror and said, there's no change. I'm still the same guy. I was ugly before. I'm still ugly. I was bald. I'm still bald. You see, when you trusted Christ as Savior, he gave you a new birth. It didn't change the old one. So in Hebrews in chapter 10, look at verse 14. For by one offering. Now this is 30 years later after Christ has already died. And been resurrected and came back from the dead. And he's telling you, this is what he did. For by one offering, so it had to pay for the sins that were before the cross and after the cross. One offering he had perfected for how long? Forever. Them, as people. Them that are sanctified. And how do you get sanctified? That means it comes from a Greek word, hagiazo, means to be made pure and holy. That day you trusted Christ as your Savior, God declared you righteous, holy, set apart, perfected. In Christ, my second birth is perfect. This right here, this, this is getting old. Uh, this old body is going to be corrupted one day. It's already started, by the way. I thought I'd let you know that. But we are going to be with the Lord for all eternity. Now, this is what God's Word promises. This is what He said. In Colossians 2.10, He talks about we have been completed in Christ. You're complete. Everything you needed when you trusted Christ as Savior in order to get you to heaven is completed. It's done. It's over. Finished. There's nothing else you can do about it. But there's a lot of things in my life that I have never done like some people have. And I'm the guy that's telling you, you don't have to do that. You see... Smoking, that didn't send you to hell. You'll do it when you get there, but they won't send you there. And drinking, no, drinking doesn't send you to hell. Going to movies, that doesn't send you to hell. There's nothing that sends you to hell except unbelief. When you do not believe that what Christ did, he did it for you. So there's a lot of sins that people do, various kinds of sin. And of course, we always look at those real bad sins that they do. But the ones that I do are not as bad. Well, everybody has sinned, but God has declared you righteous in Christ the day you trusted him as your Savior. And you have been made pure and holy and you're perfect in God's eyes. We ought to live the way that we ought to because as a child of God, I should live like a child of God. But if I don't, I'm still a child of God, but he'll chasten and discipline me and maybe take me home before my time. I want God's blessing, but those blessings has nothing to do with me going to heaven. I'm going to heaven because of what he did. That's done. That's over. That's settled. In my life, I want God to bless my life. And I want God to reward me when I get to heaven. But that's a result of what I do for him. So I found out years ago, I would rather be an obedient child than a disobedient child. But I'm not doing it to get to heaven. So can I live as I please? Yes. But it pleased me to learn, serve the Lord. How's that? It pleases me to go to church. It pleases me to study the Bible. It pleases me because I'm doing those things because I know it pleases God. But if I don't do those things, doesn't annul what God did. Those things are done. Now, I want you to notice down through here, Ephesians 1.13. Take your Bible and look at this verse. This is an awesome verse, believe it or not. The day you trusted Christ as your Savior. Now, you didn't feel it because the... Second birth is born of the Spirit. 
you can't feel the Spirit. That's why you didn't feel it. Now, you can have joys of anticipation as a result of what you know, and it can cause you to tear up, to rejoice, to say things, and praise the Lord, and all that, but those are results of how you're thinking. And this is why you study the Word of God, to know how to think. Now, look what he says in Ephesians chapter 1, and look in verse 13. And verse 13 says, in whom, which is the verse right before it says, in Christ. In whom Christ you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So you couldn't be saved until, first of all, you have to hear the gospel. And you have to hear the truth of the gospel. And then when you believe the gospel, you were born into God's family. And the day you believed that, having believed, that very moment you believed, look what he says. In whom also... After that you believed, or having believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The very day you trusted Christ, you were sealed. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible talks about we are in His hands. No man can pluck you out of His hands. And you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're as safe as safe can be. The devil can't get me. Can't get my soul. My soul is safe in the Lord. Now, we talk about our life here. Yeah, God now, after we're saved, He wants to save us from the power of sin in the world. The power of sin from your old sinful nature. So that's why you study the Word of God so that God can deliver you from the power of the sinful nature that you have. But the penalty has already been taken care of. Understand that. Now, the day you trusted Christ as Savior, believe it or not, you were born as a citizen of heaven. That's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, if you look down there at number 32. That's what it's talking about. You see, when you were born, you were born from above. Means you, you were a child of God, and God considers your citizenship now in heaven. Because, see, that's where you're from. You were born of God. God becomes your father. Now, we're still down here as pilgrims and strangers, you're here, you're away from home, but you're going home. One day we'll all go home to be with the Lord. Now there's three important things I want to make sure that we cover. And that's number 37, 38, and 39. Because this is the reason Christ came and we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Because the Bible teaches that when Christ was crucified, we were crucified with him. So that means when Christ was on the cross, when you accepted him as your savior, as your substitute, as the payment for your sin, God saw you on the cross. You see, you were on that cross. You paid for your sins in Christ. So I was crucified with Christ. And then the Bible talks about in Romans 6, 4, we were buried with Christ. When Christ was buried, I was buried. You look up those verses and you'll see it says exactly that. We're talking about how God sees things, not how the world sees it. The world looks at Yankee Arnold and thinks that that guy's no better than anybody else, and that is the truth. And they may look at me and say, well, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one, and that could be true. But I'm talking about God's perspective. How does God see me? And God saw me as a sinner, lost, undone, wicked, no account, but he loved me. 
and he did something for me nobody else could do. He sent his son to die and to pay for my sins, and I trusted him as my Savior. God gave me eternal life. I am a child of God. How do I know? God said so. All my sins are forgiven because God said so. The Word of God says this, and that's how you know it's true. That's how I know I'm going to heaven because I know I cannot go to hell. Number 39, being resurrected with Christ. You see, once you trusted Christ as your Savior, God, like, placed you in Christ. When you believe on Him, God saw us in His Son. And so God saw me on the cross. He saw me buried. He saw me come back again from the dead. And Christ is now seated in the heavenlies, and God sees me in heaven with Him. That's how God sees it. And nothing any man or any preacher can ever say or do can alter that. That's a done deal. That's why it is eternal security, not temporary security. I'm not believing in probation salvation. I believe in eternal salvation. Now, if you'll look there at the bottom of the page and the bold on the left, all of the above are true about one who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. This all happened to you. But maybe you didn't feel a thing. All you know is you took God at His word and you know you're saved and I'm going to heaven when I die. But as you study the scriptures, you find out, good night. Look what He did. Look who I am. Look how secure I really am. And to know it and to believe that. Now, if a person could lose their salvation... All these things must be repealed and replaced as it was before. Now, go back to page one. And look at the results of salvation if it had to be repealed. In other words, if you could lose your salvation, look what has to happen. Number one, Christ takes it back. But if he takes it back, on the right-hand side of that, you'll find the words, none found. In other words, where's the scripture where God took it back? Search your whole Bible. You can't find it. Why would people want to believe something they can't verify with scripture? Because it's not there. Number two, being born again. Well, if he's going to undo that, because if I was born into God's family, now he's going to repeal that, then he has to reverse it and go back in time to when I wasn't saved and unborn me. Now, some of y'all probably know by now, you were not planned on, and you probably are here by accident. But maybe your parents tried to unborn you. I tried it with my kids. It doesn't work. You can't unborn them. But when you trust Christ as Savior, you're born into God's family. Oh, yeah, you can lose yourself. That means God has to unborn me. He has to undo what he did. He's got to repeal everything he put down. And replace it with that old lost man again. Look at the next point. Number three, born of incorruptible seed. That means it's impossible for the new birth to be corrupted. But lo and behold, the impossible happens. I, in my new birth, has to be repealed. It has to be taken away, done away with, as though it never happened. If I can lose my salvation. Look at the next statement. Number five, becomes the son of God. Or then my sonship has to be canceled. 
Wouldn't it? If I lose my salvation, everything he did do, he has to undo. Because he can't leave it half done. Number six, become the new creation. Well, reverted back to the old. Now, where's the scriptures that justifies all these things about I can lose my salvation? You can't find them. They're not in the Bible. So when a preacher tells you you can lose your salvation, you just count it up. That bird don't know the Bible. He has no clue what he's talking about. He's using human reasoning, human logic, thinking, well, you just can't tell me that you can just blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Okay, God can't tell you either, I guess. Because it's what God said. I've had people say, well, if you teach them what you're talking about, you're just giving people a license for sinning. Well, how come it didn't work for me? It made me love him more. Wanted me to serve him more. Wanted me to dedicate my life more than ever before. Why? Because I don't have to. I do it because I want to. I can love a God like this, but if I had to do it or go to hell, I'd probably wind up going to hell because I can't live up to this high standard of perfection. I am a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. Now get the next statement. I hope along the line some of my convictions will leak out. Number eight, exempted from future condemnation. Where the Bible says that in the future you shall not be condemned, shall not come into condemnation. Well, then that has to be reversed. He really didn't mean what he said. He still has to then condemn me, wouldn't he? That verse would have to be annulled. Do you think God is annulling these verses that guarantees? Because there's some people who say, well, you can't just trust Christ as your Savior. And know that you're going to heaven. you got to live it. If you don't live it, you don't have it. That's not in the Bible either. Should I serve the Lord? There's a lot of difference between should and must. You tell a person, you must go to church. No, you don't. I don't have to go to church. I'll still go to heaven. I don't have to give any money. You don't give money to go to heaven. You can't buy salvation. You don't have to pray to go to heaven. You must trust Christ as your Savior. Once you do that, God gives you all of these things. 39 of them. And there's probably more. But this is just what he gives to you. And he did for you. With no strings attached. No strings attached. He didn't say, I'll do this for you and I'll save you if you promise to live right and do right. And No, no, no. That's not in the Bible. Look at the next statement. Where he says, down there in number 13, being reconciled to God... Well, if I was reconciled to God, okay, that means I had to be separated from God again. So if you're going to lose your salvation, everything he did has to be annulled. Everything. He can't annul some of it. They're talking about this repeal and replace. They want to repeal the whole thing. This is what God's talking about. You can't have it repealed. God's word is in concrete. And if God doesn't change it, no legislation of man can alter what God says. So when he says that we're at peace with God at number 14, we must be at war again. And all the sins that Christ took from me, he had to give them back. The payment he made, it has to be undone. And that's why it gets worse and worse as it goes. Look at number 15. Where I was justified and declared righteous, well, lo and behold, God now has to say, well, he's no longer justified, he's no longer righteous. He's as bad as he's always been. He's a sinner and still needs to go to hell. Well, he saved me. Well, he had done all that. 
And who said he would annul it? Uh, somebody, some preacher who don't believe the Bible because they want to get a following because they use reason, human logic. It just doesn't make sense for God to do that. God couldn't have really meant that if you trust him, he'd give you eternal life and it's free. And, and you can know you're going to heaven. But it has nothing to do with how you live. My eternal destination has absolutely nothing to do with how I live my life. And I know that's hard for people to understand. All I know is that I love the Lord. And I don't want people to go to hell. And I don't take it very light when somebody adds works to the gospel. And whenever you add works on the other end, whether you front load it, you back load it. When you put works in there, it messes everything up. Because if you have to live a good life after you're saved and you're going to heaven depends on that, you don't know where you're going because you don't know if you're going to make it. And you're going to have to persevere to the end. That's Calvinistic teaching and I despise that teaching because it's ruined so many people's lives. Cause you to question what God says. Now, at the top of the page, number 16, all trespasses forgiven him. Well, the Lord has said, well, I, I didn't really mean that. Do you think he would say something like that? I, I didn't really mean that. I've forgiven you of all sins. Scratch that. I changed my mind. You see, I saved Peter, but I changed my mind. I'm going to let him go to hell anyway. Because he sinned. Well, how many sins would he have to make before God would cast him out? Do you know? I don't know. One. And time he commits the sin, until the time he confesses the sin, is he saved or lost? Is it possible for him to commit a sin and not know it? And he thinks he's going to heaven and he's going to hell. What a surprise. When you die, how can you tell people, this dearly beloved here, you're going to see him again in heaven one day, I think. <laughs> but we really don't know, do we? But then he may not be there. But it's okay. You may not either. <laughs> if only in this life we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. I want you to see this. Go all the way down there to number 37. If he has to undo all of this, and I was crucified with Christ, then he'll have to uncrucify Christ because that was in my place. Well, then he's going to have to have that annulled. So the crucifixion of Christ has to be annulled. His burial has to be annulled. We've got to go back in time and undo all of this because it says I was crucified with him. Now, was I or was I not? When he was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. Now, was I or was I not? God's got to undo all of these things that he did. That one night when I was 18 years old, Yankee trusted Christ as his Savior. I believe that Christ did all of that for me. God put that to my account. Now God's going to take all that away from me. He gave it to me because he really loved me. But now he's going to let me lose my salvation because I committed sin afterwards that I didn't even know about. No. You cannot lose salvation that is not in your hands. Look down at the bottom of the page. Salvation cannot be lost unless there is a sin that Christ did not pay for. Salvation cannot be lost unless salvation really depends on man's works. Christ either paid for all sin or none, one way or the other. I believe he paid for all sin. You can rest assured, Christ cannot lie. God cannot lie. 
Titus 1, 2. No man can undo what God has completed. Once you trusted Christ as Savior, you have been sanctified, made pure and holy. You have been justified, declared righteous. You have been reconciled to God. Means the sin, the problem has been removed. And now you are His for all eternity. Now one day we're going to have to stand before this perfect, righteous, just, holy God. And we will stand there not in our works, but in what Christ did for us. But God says how we live our life is very important. You see, we don't live a certain way to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did. But he promised in his word that if I would serve him, he would bless me. I want God's blessings upon my life. And he says that if I would serve him, he says, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You see, rewards are earned. Salvation going to heaven is free. Rewards, once I get there, those are earned. I don't know what they are, but whatever they are, I want them. But God says I got to earn them. And you earn them by your faithfulness to the Lord. Loving the Lord more than you love the things of this world. So that the lust of the eyes and the lust of life and the pride of life doesn't overwhelm you and cause you to waste your life living for the things of this world. But to live for the Lord, it will be worth it all. And God said he would bless us because of it. Now look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us, but God loves us. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. So the Lord who loves us hates what we do wrong. And since we've all sinned, we're all condemned because the wages of sin is death. So everybody has to die. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And we are not perfect. We're not as righteous as God. And by our works, we never will be. So the Bible says you cannot earn your way to heaven. There's no amount of good works you can do to get you to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who didn't have any sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, every person, all the sin paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And he says, whosoever, whosoever, believeth in him that he did this for you. He puts this payment to your account. See, the payment's been made, sitting in escrow. But it's no pardon to you unless you accept it. He that believeth on me, he that receiveth him, you have to receive the gift of eternal life or you don't have eternal life. And he says, when you believe it, he gives you as a free gift eternal life, and you get to go to heaven whenever you die. Not because of any good thing that you've done, but because of what he did. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 1 John 5, 13, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. These things have written unto you that believe, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's the only way you can know you have eternal life. It's that you believe what he said, what he did. What did he do? Paid for my sins. What did he say? Would I believe he did it for me? Yes, I will. Then he that believeth hath what? Everlasting life. When do I get this everlasting life? He that believeth on me hath. Present tense. That moment you have everlasting life. And you can count about 39 things that happened to you the day you trusted Christ as your Savior. Isn't that good news? 
That's good news. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. We always give an invitation. We try to. Try to remember. If I fail, forgive me. But whether you're in the auditorium or you're watching by internet, the only thing you have to do, it's the only thing you can do. Will you believe that when Christ died, paid for sin, he paid for yours? And if you accept that payment, you have a payment for your sins. That means you don't have to pay for them. He loves you that much. Would you believe it? Would you trust him? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Is there anyone here this morning say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me. And I want to be certain of going to heaven. And I am going to trust Jesus Christ right now as my Savior. If you will, I'd like to have prayer for you. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Not going to have you pinned against a wall. Not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, you can say, yes, that made sense. I will trust Christ as my Savior. And if you're watching by internet, right on the screen, just say, yes, I'll trust the Lord. I pray that you let us know. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. And for the wonderful privilege we have of studying your word and knowing that these things are true. They cannot be annulled. And Father, you meant what you said. And we pray, Lord, for those that have questions and doubts about their salvation because they're looking or trusting at their works. We pray that today's message would be a great help and comfort to them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.